In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life-Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I am Director of Ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast, today's show. Folks, I'll bet you, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but I'm guessing that many of you who are listening right now have heard this scripture Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, guess what? That message isn't just for those disciples or foreign missionaries. It's for you and I. It's for you and me, for the church. And today's guest will uh, tell us more about how important it is to multiply our churches, to Plant new ones right here in the DMV. And of course, hey, here to get us started to introduce our guest for the day is my good buddy, my friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Hey, brother, we're back. Good to see you, man. Thanks, man. You know, we're always privileged when people choose to be returning listeners, whether they're listening via WAVA 105.1 on the weekends or whether they are listening on a podcast later on whenever they find a convenient time to do it. It's an honor. It's a privilege, but it's actually Amen. even a little bit more privileged when we get someone to agree to come back to the show after they've been on the show before. And our guest on the show today is actually someone who has already been on the show once. Or already. it might even worry us, Brian, because they actually trust us to come back. Well, there you go. There you go. But he's been <laughs> on with his wife, Jennifer, and he was talking uh, about the, the power of adoption. And if you hadn't had a chance Amen. to listen to that, Amen. I asked you to go back, look at our archives of Good News for the City, look up the weekend of May 1st and 2nd, 2021. And I guarantee you the story that they share and the challenges that they give there will bless you. Absolutely. But we're going to talk about something connected to the gospel, but a little bit different from the aspect of the gospel of adoption and physical adoption we talked about together with our guest today, Clint. Clifton. Clint has uh, been a part of church planning throughout the D.C. area for the past 20 years, uh, and he's involved in, in several different ways in, in organizations throughout the region, and he's even the author of several church planning books, including a book called Church Planning Primer and Church Planning Thresholds, and he's the host of a podcast of his own uh, called the Church Planting Podcast, and you can go there after you listen to him here and his uh, podcast can be found at churchplantingpodcast.org and more information there. So, Clint, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Glad to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here. You know, over the years, uh, from time to time, we've had people on Good News for the City to talk about this very important thing we're talking about, church planning. And uh, without trying to be redundant to people who have maybe listened to one of our shows before about church planning, I'm going to ask you the same question that we ask every single person that we have on who's planning a church, because people who are engaging church planning for the first time as listeners often have this question. Right. 
why do we need to plant more churches? Yeah. Don't we have enough? So let's let's talk about that and get that out of the way. If there's someone there kind of wondering about this whole conversation we're about to have. Yeah, there's two answers to that question, Brian. Number one, um, we, we church planting is commanded in the scripture. The Great Commission is, in fact, a call to start new churches. Jesus mm-hmm. said, go baptize, teach and make disciples. And since there's no other organization in the world that baptizes, teaches, and makes disciples, we know that Jesus was talking about churches when he said, yeah. go do this. He meant for us to do it in an ongoing way. Some of us see the Great Commission and think, hey, he, Jesus just intended for us to go out and, and preach to people. But actually mm-hmm. what he wanted us to do was to make disciples in an ongoing way. Mm-hmm. And the only organization that does that and baptizes and consistently teaches is the church. So yeah. what Jesus had in mind when he said, go baptize, teach, and make disciples was to go make church. We know that's what he had in mind because the apostles, the original hearers of the Great Commission, they heard what Jesus said, go baptize, teach and make disciples. And they spent the rest of their ministry fulfilling that by planting churches. That's the book of Acts. We see those apostles go out and respond to Jesus's commission with church planting. Mm -hmm. So if we respond differently than the apostles respond who do you think misunderstood the Great Commission, us or them? Yeah. You know, that's a that's an excellent point that we need to consider. You mentioned the Great Commission. And a lot of times when I have the opportunity to teach at Christian Fellowship Church, we talk about this. I say sometimes when we move things out of its original language into our language, we yeah. miss something. And we translate make disciples right. almost like it's a one and done thing. But a better right. way to probably translate it is to be discipling, yeah. which is an ongoing thing, which means we can't be stagnant. We can't say it's just done. Yeah. And, and that's where the, the church is. But you know, okay, we're supposed to be do this. Is there like, don't we have enough? I mean, well, that's yeah. the next question. Cause it that, seems you right. can't see a church everywhere. Yeah. I said that there are two reasons. One's the biblical reason. The second one is uh, yeah, it's very deceptive. Um, you, you drive around and you see church buildings, you see signs for churches meeting in non-traditional locations. And, and you might think there are enough churches. There are churches everywhere. Uh, but the truth is every year for the past 25 years, fewer people are going to church than ever before. Mm-hmm. And um, the population is getting larger and larger. So the church in North America is dwindling uh, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's happening for sure. The largest, the fastest growing religious group in North America right now is the nuns, those who have no spiritual affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of existing churches in North America are plateaued or declining in size. So you got the churches that do exist are plateaued and declining and no new churches virtually are being started every year. Uh, lots of uh, churches are dying and not nearly as many are beginning, which all adds up to um, a situation where, you know, uh, our grandchildren and our children aren't going to have um, churches in pursuit of them in the same way that we do. And certainly we don't in the same way that our parents and grandparents did. Yeah. And so it's important for us to continue the process of multiplying churches because um, churches die. Churches have life cycles. They live and they die. And because of that, we have to continue to plant churches. And thanks for that perspective, because lots of times when we're down on the ground looking at we can't see that, but you kind of took us up to 30,000 feet to be able to see a holistic picture. So this, this is why not only the biblical reason, which is enough, as we know, but also just the real practical. Sometimes what we think we're seeing isn't an accurate picture. And so someone's like, all right, so there's a need for churches. How does one then you know, make this decision. We certainly know that we seek God in prayer and we say, God, how do you want us to do it? And if he says, do it here, we do it. But, you know, the other steps involved in that process where you said, all right, how, how, where do I even plan a church if this is something God wants me to do? Yeah. Well, um, uh, one, one 
encouraging thing would be to contact me and us. I, I work with several organizations. We've done a lot of this research to show we actually have a, a map with uh, about, uh, I think it has about 160 dots on it that are potential church plant locations where our research has shown there's a need for a Chinese speaking church here and a, a Spanish speaking church here and an English speaking church there. And um, and so we've got about in the region, the greater capital region, we got about 160 dots on that map that we hope to see planted in the next five to 10 years. Um, and over the past 10 years, we've seen about 120 churches planted in the region. And that's mm-hmm. been great progress. You know, we've seen a, a lot of progress, but we're still not even keeping up with the population growth and the amount of churches dying. So mm-hmm. even with all of those new churches beginning, we, we are still losing ground. So mm-hmm. it's important that churches, individual Christians, networks of churches, denominations get on board with the process of planting churches. All right. So let's take some practical next steps. And you, you've got someone's attention. You've got my attention. You've got a listener's attention about this is why it matters. This is the, you know, how you can decide. You've even got a map that can help. What are the next sort of stages? In fact, I think that you say there are three stages to church planning process. Yeah, well, I would I would say for the for the listener, the person who's here, some of you are being introduced to this idea for the first time. You thought there's plenty of churches, there's no need to do this, and you're you're for for the first time grappling with the idea that you should be involved in church planting. I would say for you, the first thing you should do is take the church planting primer course. Mm-hmm. It's a four session course that basically it's available for free online at newcityplanting.org. <clears throat> New City is the church planting ministry of McLean Bible Church in our region. Uh, David Platt is the pastor there. And if you uh, if you take that church planting primer course, you'll become more fully aware of how everyday Christians can be engaged in the process of starting new churches. So that's a first step for almost everybody that participate that, that's curious about this. Uh, I would say if you're a pastor or a church leader and you want to get involved, get your church involved in the process of church planning, maybe you're already convinced and you don't need to sort of take the class to convince your uh, yourself or your team or whatever, then I, I would say contact our office and we will help you find a church planting prog- uh, pro- uh, project that you mm-hmm. can latch on to and participate in. There are all the time, many churches starting all around the region. There are probably churches starting in your community or in your county that we're involved in you can find those churches and and jump in on an existing project Mm -hmm. or last uh, you can work with us to develop a project from start to finish. So sometimes people have burdens for particular communities or areas and we'll correspond that with the needs that we know through research and we'll help you find the right planter and the right team for that and how to finance that and fund that. We we sort of soup to nuts. We'll walk you through the whole process of doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we, we, you know, McLean Bible is actively engaged in starting new churches. It's right there in their mission statement. They want to make disciples and multiply churches beginning in greater Washington, D.C. They absolutely want to do that. But they also want they have set aside margin and sort of my work is to help other churches become engaged in that process because it's going to take a coalition of churches to be successful at that. That's not just one mega church. So, you know, obviously people go and they take the church planning primer. That's one way we begin to identify leaders for churches. Are there other aspects and avenues where you can pursue that helps identify people uh, along this process who can be part of church planning? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so uh, lots of times, I suspect there'll be some folks hearing this that say, hey, maybe 
God would use me to start a church. Um, we have a process for that as well. Uh, and so um, if you contact our office, we can uh, put you in uh, to a process we call assessment, which mm-hmm. basically uh, it goes, it's got three stages, but it goes through this process where it helps to you to discover, are, are you biblically qualified? Uh, for this work? Um, are you a competent for this work? And do you have the sort of experience and background to do this work? And, and we, everybody who goes through that process comes out with one of three responses. A response one would be uh, a sort of a red light. Don't, don't plant a church. It would be a bad idea, hazardous to yourself and others. Don't do it. Uh, a yellow light, which would be, yeah, we think God is calling you to plant a church, uh, but we think you need some help and resources along the way. Let, let, we've got these 10 things we want you to do, and we'll walk through that with you. And then uh, the green light would be, yeah, we think God's equipped you and called you to this clearly, and we want to come alongside and support you. And so that that support, it comes with an endorsement, and that endorsement, you know, rallies the support of the churches in the region mm-hmm. uh, to finance your project and be at work with you in that. But that assessment process is the beginning of the, the pipeline. Yeah. Are, there, are there folks, um, I'm assuming, and, and maybe I should not do this, by the way, since you said that. Are there folks of all ages, races, background? I mean, you're not just looking, for example, you're not just looking for a 20-something. I mean, you might use a 50-something or a, you yeah. know. Yeah, we do. We actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I always forget to mention that. But yes, we have, um, uh, of the church planners I'm working with right now, probably 60 or so church planners I'm working with right now, they are all over the age spectrum. They're all over the um language spectrum they're all over the socioeconomic spectrum so absolutely no matter what situation okay. in life you find yourself in um you know if there's a populace of people that are like you in the region then a church is needed for them sure. um, okay so so absolutely 100 percent um all, all across the board there so we've been blessed in the united states of america with all kinds of resources and i think sometimes in those blessings we create what i would like to say archetypes of how things have to work Uh, specifically i think that happens around the church and we think about okay a church has to have blank for blank right and so you can insert whatever you want into blank but one of those blanks that often comes up is is like people go hey you know what i can't really help be involved in a church plant to launch it or that sort of stuff because it doesn't for example have a children's ministry at the way that this more and i use this term very loosely established church has down the road and so there's this, this misnomer that, you know, church plants are just for certain types of people in certain ways of life in certain, whatever it might be. And certainly you hit it at some levels saying church planters can be all over the spectrum. Talk about how people who get involved in the church planting process with the church planters could and should be all over the spectrum. Well, I'm telling you, if you feel stuck in your Christian life, there is nothing that will jar you out of stuckness in the Christian life and Christian growth and putting yourself in the throes of a church planning environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that, that thing you mentioned just now, Brian, about parents thinking, oh, uh, my, my church doesn't have a kid's ministry or it doesn't have a, a, this church, uh, so I can't be involved for that reason. Let me, let me just like appeal to that person for just a minute. Um, let me ask you the question, what do you think will be in more, more impactful to your children? Do you mm. think it'd be more impactful to be at, you know, a church that has lots of bells and whistles and all the whiz bang and everything that you might need to have a nice slide in the children's ministry or five children's <laughs> ministers that are going to work with you? Or do you think it will be more powerful for your children to watch their mom and dad strive to, to reach a community that's unreached? Which one do you think will have a longer lasting impact on them? And I tell you, uh, my experience is 
churches without all the bells and whistles sometimes are an advantage to the spiritual health of a family. And I've seen families that are relatively immature in their faith and kids that are sort of ambivalent to the gospel get involved in a church planning environment and become attached and alive to that. My kids, I mean, I got five kids and most of them are teenagers right now. And my kids right now, my son, my 19 year old son is in Southern California planting a church. He's getting, uh, uh, and and so my kids are actively involved in this because they feel deeply wound up in it and mm-hmm. it's really really uh it's really something that's incredible for a family to get involved in to work together to bind together to help plant a new church and, and I, I know i'm going i'm getting kind of passionate about the subject sorry but think about the compounding impact that could happen with your life if you plant a church you go on a mission trip you go two weeks you come back home and it's done right yeah you go plant a church and you come back home and you left a church there, that's a disciple-making factory that will be making disciples for 60, 80, 100 years after you've left. What mm-hmm. kind of thing can you invest in the Christian life that will pay that kind of dividends? Amen. Yeah. Amen. And you're hitting at something maybe we should do a show about later on, Dennis, this reality that we, whether thinking about it or not, begin to outsource the discipleship of our children. You know, And then the main yes, disciples yes, of us yes. as believers of our children is us as parents. And the church comes alongside. The church matters too, but somehow or another, we use the church. And so we think, well, the church doesn't have this big children's ministry, so my kids can't be discipled. And uh, I don't know if that's where you were going with it, but I heard one of those things in there. I think it's a great, powerful story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is nothing like, your kids don't want to see great ministry happen. They want to be a part of great ministry. They mm-hmm. want to, they, I mean, all of us, we want to, we want to seat at the table. We want to play a meaningful role. And right now what we've done as churches get larger and larger and pastoring gets more professional ministry gets more professional, the pulpit and the pew get further apart from one another. You know what I mean? And it's less likely that the, the person who attends the church can ever see themselves being a minister of the gospel. And yeah. so what I want to do is I want to push the pulpit and the pew together. And I want to say, no, we need smaller churches. Churches, we need more people to be engaged because statistically speaking, new churches and small churches reach more people per capita. New people come to faith in newer, smaller churches at far greater clips than larger, older churches. Yeah, and that's a great reminder because a lot of times in larger, older churches, what we happen to be doing is kind of shuffling the deck chairs around from one part of the ship, cruise ship to another part of the cruise ship instead of bringing on new people. Now, we can spend a lot of time there, but I want to take a moment to talk about um, uh, the landscape currently, you know, uh, COVID had made a significant impact in everywhere. And as we find ourselves in a next chapter coming or in right now, whatever it is, how has that um, impacted the need here in the Washington metro area? I was so faithless when all this started. I, I literally gathered my team together and all our church planners together the, right when COVID began. And I had a big Zoom call with them and I said, guys, we're going to come out of this with a lot fewer churches than we went into it with. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, God has used COVID for his glory and has multiplied churches. We've seen churches planting around the region in the midst of the pandemic. We've seen churches thriving uh, in in small locations. The churches that are struggling are the large established churches with buildings, budgets, and staff. The churches that are scrappy little guys that were used to meeting in homes, and those churches are bustling. You know, they're great. And, uh, and I've been so proud of our church planters. Uh, one of the things that's been incredible about being a church planter in our region right now is that they have bound together to support one another. So you've got a church planter who's struggling over in this corner. Well, three or four church planters get together and they, they grab that guy and support him and feed him, give him money, you know, and it's just been an incredible little family of, of church planting uh, brotherhood going on. It's awesome. 
Yeah. And in our conversation already, you've identified some of them, but let's just get real practical in this aspect too. Uh, what are some things that, that we tend to think are absolutely necessities for a church that really aren't? You mentioned a building. That, yeah. That's a great example. You know, when Jesus said, you know, go plant churches, when he gave the great commission, it, yeah. he never said, go make buildings. You know, that's yeah. a place that we meet. It isn't the church. We all know that. Maybe we talked about children's ministry. What's some other things that you think that? Uh, I mean, you, you know, there's sort of everything that the uh, the stereotypical American Christian would associate with church. None of that stuff is biblically uh, required. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's required is God's word, God's people, and, you know, leadership, I would say. Leadership is a component to uh, the church. You can't have, you know, church is not like an amorph group of people in the Bible. Churches have leaders, elders, bishops, overseers, whatever your tradition is, whatever language you use. There's somebody leading the church. There's spiritual authority and spiritual teaching going on. And there are people who gather to hear the word and then disperse to spread the word. And so that kind of thing can happen out of a household, a community center, a movie theater, a funeral home. It can happen in all kinds of locations and it can happen for no money or it can be budgeted really heavily like some churches in our region are. And so one's not better than the other. I'm not pitting them against one another. It's good to recognize, though, that when we think about church, we think about this one professional thing. And there's actually the majority of churches in our region. Hear me. The majority of churches in our region are under 50 in attendance. And many, many, many of them meet in homes. Yeah. In places that, you know, there may be a church, you know, right around the corner from you and you don't even know it yet in those things. And that's a great reminder. Now, certainly people who are individuals in churches, if they want to know about how to get involved in church planning, you know, newcityplanning.org is a great organization. You mentioned that out of McLean Bible Church there. Also, your church planning podcast in the last couple moments, you, you know, let's talk about that podcast. Yeah. On that, what, what do you talk about it? Do you yeah. have other church planners on? What what sort of resources it do? Yeah, we've been doing that since uh, 2016. And it's it's mainly it's a weekly podcast comes out every Wednesday. And it's an interview podcast. So every week, just like your show here, we're interviewing guests uh, mm-hmm. that have various, uh, you know, points of expertise in, in church planting or multiplication. And, um, and so we have some, some very notable folks that you would recognize their names. And we have some guys that are obscure and working in out of the way places. It's, uh, but basically it's for anybody who is kicking the tires of church planting or who is in the throes of church planting. Um, so we're going to talk about church planting every week. So if you don't want to hear about church planting, you shouldn't, you shouldn't tune in, but that's, that's what we're going to talk about. But like this past week, we talked about finances and church planting, uh, the week, uh, before that we talked about coaching and church planting. So there's, there's lots of components. So it's probably like 150 subjects that we sort of hit on on a rotating basis. So what I'm hearing is there's some real practical plus theology is always practical. So I don't want that implication that it's not practical, but I think sometimes we think about church planning, we think about, okay, getting your theology and getting those sort of things, but you're also giving some tools around how do you get your organization together, whatever it looks like, how do you get your finances and resources? Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. One of the main things we want to do too, is we want to help churches multiply. So most churches in the United States for only 4% of churches in the United States will multiply on purpose. Now, many of them will multiply on accident. They'll split, they'll get in a fight and become two churches, that kind of thing. Uh, but on purpose. So uh, imagine if only 4% of the population were having babies, you know, how that might uh, result, what the result of that might be in terms of the 
the uh, health size of the population. That's mm-hmm. why we're dwindling because only 4% of churches are doing this work. Yeah. Uh, so we want to increase that to 10%, 20%, 30%. We want to see more and more churches engaged in the process. So that means churches need to start internships, residencies, apprenticeships, because really it only takes one resource to start a new church. If, if you want, Brian, if you want to start a new church from your church in Ashburn, you only need one thing. And it's not cash. It's not a building. It's not a children's ministry. You only need one thing. And that's a ready leader. If you have a ready leader, you can plant a church. That's all you need. Well, you know, we're going to have to have Clint back, uh, just like we said last time when we heard from both him and his wife. There's so much there to dig into. And thank oh you gosh. for the resources. Yes, thank you yes, for the yes, passion. Yes. If you, I wish you were in the, you know, don't ever apologize. You for could passion. see the passion uh, in his <laughs> eyes. I know you can hear it. And yes, uh, it's amen. a great call to plant. Dennis, uh, take us out. Dude, when you were talking about that 4%, um, one of the things that I, I've been a pastor of for over 40 years, man, but I say until the church looks different, we're not going to make a difference. Yeah. And, um, and you're right, man, 4%, that kind of blows me away because I didn't know that. Anyway, like, I, like Brian just said, man, we could talk forever in a day. But, hey, Church Planting Podcast, that's Clint's podcast. You can go to newcityplanting.org. Hey, man, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com. Listen to this again. Uh, again, you can call me at the radio station, 703-807-2266. Clint, dude, man, God bless you, brother. I mean, fantastic work. God is really using you. I appreciate you. Um, and here's what we always say. You know the tagline, folks. Hey, thanks you for joining us today. Clint, thanks for being with us. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.